This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. BSB OT Game 7 versus the Devils. New York Rangers 1984 Eastern Conference Finals to go to the Stanley Cup Final versus Vancouver. We asked Rick Carpinello if he wanted to be on the episode with us. Ricky is golfing, or or he's with the wife, or he's on vacation, whatever he's doing. Hope Rick's okay. I mean, he's doing all of it. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. Um, but today it'll just be Greg and I. Uh, game seven. We just recorded our Lady Rough podcast. Great times. So uh, we're hyped L- up. Lady Rough not coaching for the Devils in this game seven. No, definitely not. Um, so let's get to it. Right there's a there's a lot that happens in in game seven, but also not a lot that happens at the same time. The game, in case you're wondering, goes to double overtime. Uh, and it, the in-between between the Rangers scoring and uh, and the Devils scoring is absolutely brutal. Let, let's just go from the beginning, shall we? The announcers start by saying, uh, Messier is now back with Graves on the line. What was your reaction when you first heard that? Because we've talked about Mike Keenan last week and how, what the hell? Like, what is he doing? After... Kovalev actually works with Messier. He goes right back to Graves. What could the logic even be behind that? I'm sure Keenan's logic was Graves got the message or something stupid like that. Okay. Uh, but I, 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 these seven games with Mike Keenan, which is the most time I've ever spent with Mike Keenan in an extended period of time, mm-hmm. has really proven to me that he is one dumb idiot. Like I, I, he's just like not a good, I Lindy ruffian levels of, I don't understand how this guy is held in high regard because if, if it works for you in game six, I don't understand why all of a sudden you'd be like, all right, that was nice, but you know, it'd be even nicer if the thing that wasn't working suddenly magically started working. Yeah. And I got news, Ryan, didn't it doesn't uh it really didn't my i i really like adam graves he is invisible through this entire series pretty much for the most part he's not the he, person... he has a bad series yeah no doubt about it we'll see if things change during the vancouver series as 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 is coming up but as as up to this point into game seven graves has been nearly invisible the most noticeable rangers on the ice are richter leach kovalev during the last game and of course messier uh Right away, they talked about how Riche is injured and he's playing to, for, uh, for the Devils during this game. And one thing I, I also did notice during the first period, and I guess I didn't really pick up on this through the first seven games, is they flash the graphics so quickly. They'll show hits and it'll be like seven to five, but they'll show it for 0.3 seconds. Like, like if you didn't catch it, you're fucked. That's it. And I just, I continue to be amazed by the production style and the font choices of ESPN back in 1994. I will say, um, if we're talking about aesthetics, hard. I, I don't know if it's because they had the crowd mics jacked up even higher. That's Game Seven's the loudest I've ever heard the Garden. Oh, they were big time. They were batshit crazy, and you could you can tell the Garden was loud because it fired Gary Thorne up to a level that 
I wasn't 110% ready for. Like when, when Leach scored the goal, Thorne sounded like he was the most excited person in the building. And I think part of that is because the fans were just off their ass the entire game. It's you could feel the intensity in in the game, and we'll get to the third period because things get um a little wonky, right? Like you that you could tell I the crowd is like wonky. Shape. Yeah, I think the crowd knows exactly what's going on. Um, this and tell me if you disagree with this. We've seen a lot of big hits in this series, but this was the most violent of the seven of the. Of yeah, this. which makes it which makes it all the funnier that this entire game all. Three periods of regulation, one full period of overtime, and then another half overtime. Two penalties in the entire game. Refs just decided we ain't calling shit. I have We're to not be- going to be the reason. We're not going to be the reason why one team has an advantage over the other. And it was one penalty for the Devils and one penalty for the Rangers. Yes. They said, fuck it. If you guys want to tear each other apart, tear each other apart. We're not going to be the reason why anything else happens in this game. At the same time, what refs never understand is that if you stop making calls altogether, you are directly impacting the outcome of that game because now there are no rules and players can do whatever the fuck they want. And you're not enforcing the game like you would normally under any other circumstance. So, yeah, was this game super violent? Yes. Were there no penalties? No. Does that make any sense? Fuck no. Because if a game's that violent, there's just blatant hooks. There are blatant interference calls. Blatant holds, blatant late hits, blatant uh, elbows. <laughs> you name it. These guys are doing everything. And the refs are like, dope. Just don't die. One of the uh, the penalties goes against Kovalev. And it's on one of the weakest hits of the entire game. It's like a real... To be weak- fair, though, it's still it was still very much a penalty because the play was nowhere near him. And he's mean mugging and rubbing his elbow all up in the grills of, I think, who is it, Bernie Nichols? I think it's Nichols, who's an asshole this whole game. Case, <laughs> but then they show, they show, like... At the same time, Nichols playing like an asshole. And then they – classic hockey players. They also showed at one point during one of the down periods that Bernie Nichols was apparently had one of the quotes that was like, yeah, Messier. big game players. Nobody's bigger than Mark Messier. <laughs> I, I understand that Mario and Gretzky are special, but if all the chips are down, I want Messier on my side. It's like, dude, don't have to stroke him that big when you're playing a game seven against him. What are you doing? It's brutal. What is happening? It's brutal, man. And – uh, I have some notes here. Bukaboom is literally an attack dog. He goes uh, directly after, like, he had had some nasty hits and, and just came off the suspension, I might add. Uh, he goes after multiple Devils players away from the place, and they don't call it one time. There's another player, I forget who it is, it's a Ranger who literally does a front flip as their legs get taken out. And then and then I believe Gary oh, Thorne... Joey, Joey Koser gets taken out. I believe Gary Thorne goes, that's a clean hit. <laughs> I was like, whoa... This is fucking crazy. Um, through the first period, uh, we finally get to what is the first goal and the only goal until the game-winning goal at this point. But that's by Brian Leach. Um, how do we even explain this goal? Brian Leach does a 360 backhand, literally totally crazy, to score the only goal up, up until overtime. And I can't say enough good about Leach because I think he might be the best player in this Game 7. Like We had a conversation about who was the best player in Game 6. And it's hard to argue with Messier after he puts up a hat trick. You think the argument is there for Kovalev, as we discussed. But in this game, I really don't know if it's anyone but Brian Leach. Well, Richter, I guess, is the answer. But Brian yeah, Leach. Yeah, I, I would say it was actually Richter. Because Richter made some pretty incredible saves. And even the goal that goes in is kind of a weak shit goal that probably shouldn't have happened in the first place. Uh, Leach is an animal. 
I, I, I we we said this in our first one of these episodes when we did games one and two, where we always knew how special Brian Leach was, but maybe we took it for granted because it. I think I still think Henrik Lundqvist is the greatest Ranger of all time, but if you wanted to just do forwards and defensemen, nobody shines a light on Brian Leach's tenure as a New York Ranger. It's incredible. He doesn't. They talk about how his scoring is down in this series. Every game Brian Leach is doing, except for game five when my, or game four when Mike Keenan Mike benches, benches him. him. Because Mike Keenan, again, smart fucking guy. Thank God he won the cup. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Brian Leach had an argument to be the best Ranger in every single one of these games. And I think easily the most notable, noticeable Ranger on the ice. There were times where Leach was always doing something. I think people fondly think of Mark Messier in this series because of the guarantee, the three-goal game, and he's the captain and all that nonsense. But Brian Leach, far and away, best Ranger skater in this series. And this goal is just the epitome of everything he did in these seven games. It's not even close. It's He's un, he's unbelievable. I, I, I We had a podcast a couple years ago, which we mentioned earlier in this series, where we talked about how, like, how come Brian Leach just isn't more revered as a Ranger? He doesn't get talked about in, in the same light as Messier does. And I, I, I'm still confused about that. It has to be his vanilla personality. If Brian Leach had more to him, more, like, bite, I'm sure he has, like, a lot of personality. He's just never really shown it. Um, he'd be more revered. I think people will tell you that Leach is one of the greatest Rangers, if not the greatest Ranger of all time. But even then, I still feel like Messier gets all the glory. And after rewatching this, I, like, Messier is insane, but Leach is the horse. Like, that guy is is the heart and soul of this team. It's him, Richter, and Messier. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's – I don't know what else there is to say about Brian Leach. I, I just – it's – he's the GOAT when it comes defensively for the New York Rangers. No one's been as good. No one will ever be as good, I don't think. So Richter has a couple of different insane game, uh, insane games, insane saves heading into uh, the second period, and there's there's also like a, a a scrum in front of the net where Mateau misses like one of the most wide open nets I've seen all series. Like it's a good thing he scores this because if he doesn't, it's like one of. The, it, uh, let me make it apt uh, for people who don't really know who a lot of these players are. This is like when Rick Nash does anything. You know, it's like a wide open net. Sorry. Rick. Hey, fuck you. Sorry. I'm, I'm not going to let you do that. Shit. Okay. Um, <laughs> I will say this one, it didn't jump out at me as much as other ones did. There have been a lot of open nets that the both teams have just fucking shanked everywhere. Kovalev had, Kovalev had a couple. Uh, Stefan Riche had a couple early on in the series. Uh, Bill Guerin, I think, had a couple as well. I don't know if these guys were just allergic or if the game still wasn't being played at the speed it's being played at today. I don't think I've ever seen a playoff series with this many open nets just completely whiffed uh, in the last 10 years, in this modern era of hockey. These these opportunities, when they happen, just get buried at more frequency than they did in 1994. But I will say, and credit where credit is due, uh, the man who loved the family so much, he married into it twice. Martin Brodeur had a great save on a two-on-one and I, I think it was the third period where he somehow makes the save behind his back with his back leg and on a just a amazing pass to set up. I think it was Tikkanen. Uh It's 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 one of those saves where you go, oh yeah, Martin they're pretty good in his career. Maybe not better than Henrik Lundqvist, but as much as I like shitting on Brodeur, 
Guy's pretty fucking good. It's weird when he takes I, his mask off that. later and he's, he's clearly 21 years old and you're like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, he's a child. Yeah. But you, it's, funny, it's funny that he makes that save. And I know we'll get to it and we'll talk about it in great detail, but it's just worth mentioning right now. Stefan Matteau's goal, it was a shass, first of all. It wasn't even a shot. He, he was trying to pass the puck. And it's just somehow careened off Brodeur in the strangest of ways that it ended up in the back of the net. I know. Um, let's let's keep going here. Um, there's another play in the second period where uh, I think it's Bill Guerin. I didn't write down who exactly it was. No, this is a different person. This is the first of two times that Richter just gets absolutely demolished, where someone goes to the net with like uh, trying to make a move or a deke or something like that, and instead of just going around Richter, they just tackle him. That's, I, I forgot who the first player is, but the second player I have written down, Bill Guerin absolutely demolishes Richter in, into the net. It looks like he spears him, like a WWE move. And yet there's no calls whatsoever. It It's such yeah, a I think weird Gary, game. Gary Thorne, just, Gary Thorne says something along the lines of, well, he just couldn't slow down. <laughs> like it's, it's, basically, he, it's basically what it's what Canadian fans think happened with Chris Kreider and Carey Price. Except that Richter doesn't get injured. Dude, he drops the shoulder. Like, he... Yeah, he, he takes him out. And Richter, Richter gets in his fucking grill about it. And then so does... I don't remember the Ranger who it was that got in Garen's face as well. But I think I think it was Graves that was chirping him the entire way to the bench. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. It, and it, the thing is, like, Garen mishandled the puck. So he never even had full possession of the puck. And he's like, well, guess I'm just going to take out Richter now. Tries to. Doesn't. And the... <laughs> The rest is history, as they say. But yeah, it, it's plain. If if that happened today, it's like a ten game. It's a ten minute misconduct and a three game suspension. It's insane. Um, I have another point here. Did you see the ref that got hit in the face with the puck? Uh, I don't remember that. I remember so, Gary Thorne spent a lot of time talking about how the Rangers couldn't get Essatikin in and Kevin Lowe to stop bleeding. Yes, um, I do have here that uh, it, Kevin Lowe is literally a faucet of blood. Um, because he continues to bleed from the top of his nose and his nose itself constantly the entire yeah, the, game. The only thing I, the only thing I can compare Kevin Lowe's injury to, um, one of the big Lennox Lewis, uh, Vitaly Klitschko fights when Lewis opened up Klitschko's eyebrow in a way where I think I saw his brain, and it got to a point where I, my parents tried to usher me away from the TV, but I couldn't stop looking. That was basically like. Kevin Lowe was about 60% of that. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, I have some notes on, on a Kevin Lowe injury later. But so there's a there's a ref that gets injured, and we know that uh, McTavish plays without a helmet, right? I'm pretty sure one nope. of these refs skates without a helmet. So he gets hit in the head with a puck, and they the refs actually have their names on the back of their jerseys. And it's his name, I thought at first, it said Carpinello. It's... It, it looks, I was like, oh my God, it's Carpinello. Is, is Rick related to one of these refs? But it's actually Scrapinello. So it's Scrappy Rick. And I just want to, yeah, I hope that guy's okay. It's, it was absolutely ridiculous. They hit the puck off the side. Like, I, how are you not wearing a helmet? How is McTavish allowed to play? I, I don't understand. Um, I don't get it. I, to be fair, McTavish doesn't play a lot in this game. He plays a, a little bit. Does, he's very noticeable when he's out there, but yes. Yeah, Keenan, well, he's very noticeable when he's out there because, again, he's not wearing a fucking helmet. Yeah. But it should be noted that, once again, the Rangers are playing a double overtime game, and they're trying to do it playing three lines. Unbelievable. They, you could tell how sluggish they get. So let's get to the third period, shall we? Because this is where the game really begins. Uh, I don't even know where to start. 
It is. There's in the last six minutes of the game. The Rangers have let the Devils have one shot on goal, one. They stop. I have some notes here. It's we've gone under two minutes. The clock stops with one minute and eleven seconds left. The clock then stops four more times. It stops with an icing at twenty-four seconds. Time stops again with sixteen seconds. They get control of the puck multiple times and ice it every single time. They have, and then as this is going, because with the sixteen seconds left, you know this is when the goal comes. They show a close-up of Mike Richter, and the close-up says, "Has not let up a goal in the last hundred and two minutes. Would break a playoff record with five shutouts if this is completed." Is that the biggest commentator curse you've ever heard of? Because it's no, it's it's there, pretty up there. there. There have been worse. I I will say this. It's just a weird stat to put up there because I was just – I was looking at it and I was like, so he hasn't let up a goal for a game and a half? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what that stat really meant. I was like, we're – Mike Richter's playing great. At the same time, he, that's like four periods that he hasn't allowed a goal. We're applauding him for not allowing a goal in four periods. Like it's it's just weird to put that number up there. It's one thing if he's had two straight shutouts and he's working on a third. But he that stat, all it said to me was, oh, Mike Richter let up two early goals in game six and hasn't allowed a goal since. There are other ways you can do it. You can just be like, hey, well, he stopped 100 of his last 100 shots, blah, 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 or however many actually stopped. But I, don't think it, I, don't, I didn't think of it as the announcer curse at all. I just thought it was a weird stat at face value because sure didn't, there was nothing, it didn't stand out as special to me. At all. I happen to agree with you. There are so many weird things that happen in these last three minutes. I wish I took excruciating notes to like kind of get down to like the last second. The Devils, like they're a winded team a little bit. You could tell that they're still, both teams are winded and tired. Like you, at this point in the game, if you were trying to get a goal, you'd want to take a timeout, right? Like that would be a thing that you think would be smart to have. Well, the league calls in to change the time. And we've talked about how they let him play the whole game. Like, there was no slowing down at all during this whole game. And then all of a sudden, when there's 16 seconds left, the league calls and the refs, like, stop playing for over 45 seconds, which I want to say probably benefits the Devils, allows them to catch their breath, allows them to, like, you know, I know it helps the Rangers too in this in this instance, but if you're trying to score, you want to have all the, all the power you can. And that's exactly what happens. They they get they get to have their own little break. They get things together, and then uh, by the miracle of Devil's Gods, uh, Zella Pukin gets the gets one by Richter with seven point seven seconds remaining, and the wind literally goes out of the building. It's miserable. Uh, Gary Thorne says at one point, you could tell how literal shocked this crowd is. It, you could feel it in the atmosphere of this place. And if, if that's not the most Rangers moment ever to let a goal in after winning uh, after leading one nothing the entire game, I, I really don't know what is. That has to be a defining Ranger moment for me. Um. Okay, let's take a quick break to talk about the Lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped. Big news, Manscaped just launched in Canada. For those listeners Canada, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and have their new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. Ouch! Don't want that happening. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with the Quiet Stroke T2 
TM technology. And let's not forget about the awesome charging stand. You can get it with 20% off plus free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's all you need to do. Go to manscaped.com, 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one but two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag at $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC. Back to the show. Um, the only things I can compare it to in my sports fan life. First of all, if, if, I, if I was this age in 1994 and that happened. I don't I know what I would do. Ill. I would have been ill. There would have I, hands on the knees, vomit coming out of the mouth. Ill. I would have not had a good time. Uh, because I, I think back on what 18-year-old Greg was like when Yadier Molina took Aaron Heilman deep in game seven. Wasn't good. Um, I thought about how I felt when Lucas Duda airmailed the throw from first in game five of the 2015 World Series. Wasn't good. Uh, yeah, I. it would have been... It would have been on par with how I felt with that Yadier Molina home run, I think. that I, Because, again, if you watch this series, I, if you watch the entire season, you come away feeling like the New York Rangers are the best team and that this is the New York Rangers' cup to lose. And when that goal went in, I would have had the thought of, oh, fuck, they're going to actually lose it before they even have an opportunity to play for it. So, yeah, I would say this is 110% on the level of how I felt when that homer went off Molina's I, I don't even know how I would feel in this case. Like, yeah, because you've never experienced real hardship in your life, Ryan. You, you live a charmed life. I, I went through the 2014 finals. Thank you. Um, I, it was, yeah, but the, it's, it's, the, it's not the, the it's, Yeah, it, it's different when it's a game. I, it's truly different when it's a game seven. It, like when the Molina shit happens in game seven, this happens in game seven. Thankfully, this ends better than the Molina stuff did. But at the time, feeling like the cup was so close... Seven point I seven think, seconds. I think I feel a little bit of this way, just like it's uh, I don't know twenty five percent of the way from the lightning loss in two thousand fifteen, but it's like you know it's just not the same. Like that is to be that close and to lose it, I just can't even imagine. I don't know, um, or maybe I can and I've blocked it out. So now we go to overtime. Uh, I have it here in the notes. Low is just pouring out blood. There's a there's a two on one that Richter stops uh, with the help of Jeff Bukaboom, who plays some nice defense, tries to cut off a pass. Um, that is yeah. When Jeff Bukaboom isn't trying to murder Devils, he's pretty sound defensively. Yeah, he wasn't actually. I thought Bukaboom was pretty impressive this entire game, and props to him, props to him for yelling yelling at me that one time. Um, and I literally have a note that says uh, Lowe just died. Bill Guerin has murdered him. Wow. There's one point where Lowe just goes right into the boards. Uh, I think it's after he already hits the knees and he's sliding into it. And it, the injury looks absolutely brutal. I don't know how he played hockey after that. Um, the whole overtime, there wasn't like a big takeaway moment. And even the Mateau goal happened so quick. Like it didn't feel like they were setting up for something big, like you said. Mateau clearly looks to pass, at least in my opinion. He's trying to get the puck to Tikkanen. Yeah. Like Tikkanen standing on the back door. And honestly, bro, dirt. I think the reason it goes in is because Brodeur knows Mateau is trying to pass. So Brodeur is already positioning himself to move across the crease to stop Tekken in on the doorstep. And in doing so, Mateau's pass came off as it did, and it ricocheted off his skate and into the back of the net. It's a shit, like, as exciting as it is to see the Rangers win, 
It's a shit goal. It's a fucking garbage goal. It's really. I would have been. It's. Trash. I would have destroyed a building if that goal went against the Rangers. Yeah, you have to. If Hank lets something like that in, I'm sure that there's some interest. There's some people that will tell me that that has happened, but I just can't remember one that important right now that looks like that, because that is. It wasn't like a. It was so exciting to just rewatch and be like, "Wow, I can't believe how exciting this would be." But even even back then, I'd be like, "Wow, we didn't really didn't earn that goal at all." It's not like, it's not like someone made an incredible play and it ended. It it was kind of an accident, like that we won. It's strange. Uh, Mateau makes a couple nice plays to keep the puck in the zone, mm-hmm. but the goal itself is a mistake. It's and I just again I go back to thinking on how Gary Thorne in what was it Game Three said that Stefan Mateau would not, never score a never more score a bigger in goal in his NHL career. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, there it is. And again, Gary Thorne, Gary Thorne perfectly reads the room because he loses his shit. I understand that Mato, people get angry. Mato, I, understand, Mato. I understand. Well, that that wasn't Thorne who said that. That was uh, Howie Rose. Correct. Still Another fun. legend, by the way. Uh, but Thorne is just losing his mind. And I understand that people are upset about him saying 1940 is history when the New York Rangers hadn't won anything. And it, you know, it wasn't even right. the first time the Rangers have been to a Stanley Cup final since 1940. He did get a little lost in the moment, but Thorne does a couple things well. He loses his mind for about 10 seconds, and, and then he shuts up. Yep. And you all you hear is MSG, and it's amazing. It's and I actually just, just got losing some, their mind. I got some chills just you you mentioning that. It's just I miss the Garden. I miss public sporting events like a lot. Well, no, but th- this is this has been something Thorne has been great about in his entire broadcasting career. Mm-hmm. Thorne embraces the moment when it happens, and then he allows the moment to breathe for about a minute or two. And you can just – the crazy thing I remember watching back, it took him about five to ten minutes to show a replay of the goal. Um, they were only doing shots of the Rangers celebrating, fans celebrating – and Martin Brodeur crying. I can't believe we've gotten about 30 minutes into this podcast and we haven't talked about that fan and his fucking sign. Yeah, go ahead and do and your thing. just thinking about it. Ryan. Okay. It <laughs> offended me to my goddamn core. It's New York City, 1994. At this point in time, the last team in New York to win a championship, the 1986 New York Mets. A rallying cry going back to 1973 of good competitive winning Mets ball clubs is you gotta believe. And I understand that's pretty much a a firmly New York Met thing. And I understand that not everyone in New York city is a New York Met fan, but Yankee fans understand you gotta believe. And there's no New Yorker that doesn't say it like that. Every New Yorker says it like you gotta believe. And this prick on his sign, has it written out, you got to believe. Is he a Russian mole? Like, what is he? He's not a New Yorker. Like, even if you don't want to do, you got to believe. I love that this is one of the things that makes you so angry during the game. You literally broke my brain. I was reading the sign and I was like, I understand those words, but this is New York City. And if you put those kind of pronunciations together, that's not how it's supposed to say. Like, fine, if you don't want to do Y-A space G-O-T-T-A space believe, you don't want to do that, fine. I would have accepted you, Y-O-U space gotta. No one writes got to. What the fuck is this? Did he, 
even spell check would be like the fuck is your problem so, check, i'm not sure that version of spell check would figure it out it does in new york city because this is fucking new york city yeah what are we doing you don't go, you got to believe i i just want to talk to that guy that's all i want to do i want to talk to him i want to sit down i want to have a five-minute conversation with him and at the end of that conversation i want to punch him so fucking hard in the dick <laughs> so hard that he thinks about it for a year that's what i want to do i just i couldn't believe what i was seeing on the screen and they show and him at the end me, too it yeah. made me ill that they showed him at the end i was like oh that's a great way to, oh you gotta be fucking kidding me i want to notice how i said you gotta be fucking kidding me i want to go not, back you got to be fucking kidding me i think like, there what was are an, we doing i think there was another side that was like you messed up like a hotline 100 you messed up let's go look at that it was a good sign too but that sign, uh, it's, funny, it's funny that the now I can, well, we'll see if the now I can die in peace sign makes an appearance in the Stanley Cup. But mm -hmm. if I see you, if I ever meet you got to believe guy on the street, <laughs> Lord have mercy. Lord oh, have mercy. Oh, man. I just thought of another great Lindy Ruff point. Uh, uh, look, I, I don't know. This is, I don't want to get into it now. We'll talk about it on Monday. Um, I think that's like, that's pretty much like the whole game. It's like Mato scores. Their over, first overtime comes and goes. It's a lot of hitting. The Devils don't get a lot of chances. They start out, I believe, the first nine minutes of the first overtime. They don't get any shots on goal. Um, the Rangers have like seven. The Devils have zero. Nothing is really going the Devils' way. They have some opportunities to score and end the game. There's definitely some times where Rick, Richter faces some pressure. But it does seem like the Rangers, like, they got lucky with Mateau scoring. But it also seems like they were deserved to win the game. I never felt like the, the Devils got chipped in this. Um, the Devils no, play, played in an uh, awesome think, series. Yeah, I think the more deserving team won. And I think it... There are a couple things that are... Like, if, if we were New York Jersey Devils podcasters trying to look at this from the New Jersey Devils right. experience, that the insistence to always have Bobby Carpenter out against... I guess it worked. But I don't know if it worked because of Bobby Carpenter always playing against Messier or if it worked because Adam Graves just didn't play well. Because you saw the moment that Kovalev gets on Messier's line, Messier comes to life. And the, the fact that he's playing against Bobby Carpenter doesn't matter in game six. Mm -hmm. But it, Adam Graves really just doesn't have a good series. And if, if you're the Devils and you're, you're getting a bad Adam Graves, you're getting, I would say, you're preventing Brian Leach from being at his full powers. And honestly, you're getting like a middling Mark Messier performance. I think if you're the Devils, you feel a little Again, uneasy about this, the this, fact that you lost. This could have been ours. It, it really to be fair, though, been. I just, it, I mean, outside of the best players in this series for the Devils, Niedermeyer, Garen, and Stevens. Oh, I had Stefan Richet. I say Richet was, there Richet too. was If Richet's hurt, like truly hurt, and we have every reason to believe because we saw him just get used and abused throughout this series. Yep. If you lose 100% of Richet, you basically have a scoring drought. But there, I, I never had the feeling like the Devils had threats I needed to worry about with when I'm the New York Rangers. It was their defense. Like early in the series, early in the series, you get this outburst from Sergei Nemchinov that is great. And it feels like every game after those first two games from Nemchinov, another Ranger stepped up to the plate. Um, Zubov had a lot of good games. We've talked about Larmer's impact on the power play. Uh, Kovalev stepped up big time. Like you always had to worry about Messier, Leach, and Richter, and even Gr Graves's appearance on the ice made you nervous. Even though, again, 
he had a bad series. But the Rangers were getting performances from role players that the Devils just weren't getting. And in seven-game series, it comes down to which team has more guys step up to the plate. And I just felt like the Rangers had more guys that stepped up to the plate. You get Doug Lister, for example, in game six, who played a big game. You get a Kovalev, again, as we've mentioned 700 times. Kevin Lowe is making an impact at every stop of this series. It just never felt like the Devils had enough guys to make you nervous. If Riche wasn't on the ice, it really came down to just Bill Guerin. And he wasn't out there enough. No, I know. It it was it was a really tough series in general. Um, I'm excited to go on to the Vancouver series because I honestly don't remember any of it. I don't. I know they win. That's about it. So I'm I'm, I'm excited. Um, any other thing we want to hit on this? I, I think with this revisiting the series has been a blast. Honestly, it's been really enjoyable. If you haven't it's got, been, go on. It's it's been fun because again, I'd never spent a lot of time with the '94 team. I've always left that to smarter and older people than I. Cause again, mm. I, I realized I was five years old. Same. I knew enough about it in the moment where I remember having like a small Colgate hockey stick and pretending to be like Messier and Buka boom mm-hmm. with a balloon in my family room and yeah. trying to score goals. Like I, I knew enough about the 94 team that I knew to imitate it when I was little, but I'd never gone back and really watched those games. So it's been really fun to go back and watch those games. And again, these I, last 21 years have been unkind to Mike Keenan because Jesus Christ, I don't know what he's doing at any point in time. And it, I'm starting to think that if the Rangers just lacked the head coach, they would have possibly been better off. I think there's um, a lot of players that don't get the, their, their due rights or the justice they deserve from rewatching this. And I'm, I'm interested to see who else, who else becomes one of those unlikely heroes because you always hear about Messier and Leach, but you really don't hear yeah. about Kovalev enough, and you really don't hear about other players enough either. Like, yeah, I, I would say I would say the guys that deserved more credit coming out of this series, um, Rangers should talk more about Sergei Zubov's impact. Absolutely, because I, I, I think his entire pairing with Kevin Lowe needs more focus. I, I don't know where this team would be without the play of Kevin Lowe in this series. I, Kevin Lowe is a name I've never heard one person utter before we started this rewatch on a consistent basis when it came to the 1994 team. So it's been an awakening to see how effective Kevin Lowe was in this series against the devils. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, it, it's also been unkind to a couple other players like Essatikanen is a guy who we've heard about so much because he's still connected to the New York Rangers organization. But then you start thinking about what it took to get Tikkanen, who the Rangers got in return for Tikkanen, what the Rangers did with that player as soon as yep. they had him on their roster. I, I think I can under I can appreciate how important the New York Rangers felt as a Tikkanen was to this cup run, while also thinking like, huh, I wonder if I wonder I wonder how important he actually was. I'm not saying he wasn't important. I'm not saying he didn't play. I thought he had a fine series. I don't think it was a great series or a bad series. Mm-hmm. He could he was Tikkanen was all all over the place and very noticeable, but. I, I, rewatching this definitely makes me question like what if that what what if you just replace everything Tikkanen does with Doug White in this series do you still get the same outcome it's a fun what if we can't answer it it's unanswerable that's what makes it fun but yeah I, I I would say I would say this series was great if you're trying to get Kevin Lowe more shine which I think New York Ranger fans should give him more respect right um I think Kovalev this series was great for him and the series wasn't good for Adam Graves just wasn't it's it's weird to say that but 
Adam Graves had a forgettable series. I can't remember one thing he did specifically well outside of the first first game, honestly. Everything after game one is just, oh, yeah, Adam Graves is here. I 100% agree. Um, well, let's see if that changes. Uh, listen, our podcast for Lenny Ruff Emergency is up now. We'll be back next week for game one and two of Vancouver series. We'll be back then. Bye. I love you guys. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.